welcome to Fearless Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 88. 88. Yeah. Double eight. It's awesome. It's, I have nothing special to say about 88. It's just it's probably it's a, a sweet thing. number by itself. Yeah. Because whenever you have something special to say about a number, it's like, I feel like it kills the episode. Really? No, no. Some people like it. I hear things. Yeah. There's, there's the two people that like it. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we get a lot more than two people listening to this episode. This yeah. This whole session. Yeah. This whole session is going to be great because we have some, uh, we've got some awesome resellers on this episode. Uh, and one of my favorite types of resellers is a husband wife team, right? That is like the top of the top because I'm doing this with my wife, which is amazing. Uh, and so I know there's a lot of our listeners out there who, um, you know, are doing this together as a family. And so whenever you can see other people doing it successfully, it's it's awesome to see. So um, without further ado. Well, it's not me. So Mike turned to me like he's introducing me, but I like to introduce. So these resellers on YouTube. And we're honored. I mean, you have they have over 100,000 subscribers. They've been dropping YouTube videos for about three to four years. I've learned a ton. They've actually impacted my business directly. So I'd like to introduce the Side Hustle Network. Chaz and Trista, tell us a little bit about who you are, where we can find you, and so on. Hi, guys. What's up, guys? Uh, who are we? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're just your normal husband and wife team that one day decided, you know what? There's there's better, gotta be a there's better, better way. ways to make money than just <laughs> slaving for a nine to five, which we both did. So long story short, because we have been doing this for about four years, um, we got into it. I was a massage therapist and personal trainer. She was in the medical field. We loved what we did, but we didn't like being tied to trading time for money. And then when yeah. we found out about reselling, got into Amazon to start with, eBay later came into the game. And um, from there, we branched off. Now we do a lot of local sales, Poshmark. We mix in a lot of diversity, which is where Side Hustle Network came from because we're huge fans of diversifying the income streams. And yeah, we do a little bit of everything. We do the clothing, the shoes, electronics, new in-box items, toys. You name it, we will flip it if it makes money. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, I mean, you obviously had some really good jobs in the past too. I mean, that that's one of the things I always find interesting when we have people coming on on the show that have successful, you know, businesses that are, you know, side hustles, but a lot of times they're leaving like very respectable fields in order to come into something that's, you know, a lot of times people look at it as like that's a real job, but I mean, clearly it's a job and it's working, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think our family stopped offering us canned foods like a year ago. <laughs> but <laughs> my mom would always send home food for the kids in case we could Are you guys okay? <laughs> it's so funny. People, yeah, people don't think that this is like a sustainable way to live, you know, and and it it can be tricky for sure, but um yeah, we've made it work for us. Yeah. So and I do love I love I always love touching on this subject too because especially doing YouTube videos, I get the troll comments all the time like, oh bro you might as well just go to a job and you'd be getting a stable income. It's like, well, this is technically a job we created for ourselves, but it's on our own terms. Mm -hmm. And for us, it always came down to the time, not necessarily about the money. As long as our bills are paid, we have a little bit of vacation money. We go down Disneyland at least once <laughs> a year. That's our, that's our getaway. Um, few tropical trips here and there, but as long as we have the basics covered, we're not interested in doing the millions. We're not interested in all that. We're just interested in, we have two small children. Uh, one's five, one's five months. And so as long as we get to just hang out with them and yeah. do things on our terms, then that's what it comes down to. For sure. 
That is awesome. And that's the thing. We, you know, we talk about on the podcast all the time. We can, now you guys have a warehouse. I always say, I don't want to go warehouse because I feel like I'll have more responsibility. Which yeah, that is true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. And I see you guys, but I love your space. But uh, we'll get back to it. So I got so many questions for you guys. So the first thing is <laughs> we always tell people, hey, start with eBay, right? eBay, you kind of learn the ropes, but you guys went head on into Amazon FBA. Now, you did, guys did go on before like things got really crazy with the gating and all that. But there was still some of that happening back then when you guys started. So why why did you guys go Amazon FBA and not eBay when you started? Well, I think that that's why we have so many followers is that we did it. We're stupid and we did it the wrong way. And then a lot of people are like, we should see what they did wrong so that we don't um, we don't follow their footsteps. I think for eBay, it's just we always tell people it's a it's a lower barrier to entry. Uh, you know, you literally can find product around your home. And that's just not the case for Amazon. So that's for me, when people say that they want to get into reselling, but they don't know exactly how to get started. You know, how many times do you go through your garage and you're like, oh my gosh, I paid a lot of money for this thing. And it's sitting in my garage for the last two years. You know, that's something you can sell on eBay pretty much tomorrow if it's, you know, a trending item or whatever. So, um, it's a lower barrier to entry, um, less risk. And that's where we tell people, if you don't like reselling on eBay, you're definitely going to find Amazon a little trickier. And so she's the smart one. That's how you should start is eBay. (laughs) Um, I didn't do any of that in the beginning because in the beginning, I was already self-employed doing massage therapy and personal training. She was still at a job doing medical assisting. And so it took about, what do you think? Three months? It took about three, four months until she kind of came on board with the whole reselling idea. (laughs) She just saw me going head on with Amazon and I chose Amazon in the beginning because I, I got up on on this seminar where you pay like 49 bucks for a weekend class and they talk about different ways to sell things online. So they talk about Amazon FBA. They talk about eBay. The thing that turned me off about eBay, and I've never sold on eBay before. The thing that turned me off about eBay in the beginning was I have to take the photo, create the listing. I have to ship it to the customer. I have to deal with the customer messages and the returns. That kind of stuff I did not want to deal with at all. I wanted the most efficient method possible, which was Amazon FBA because you can buy the product ship it to them. They handle the rest. That was the part that sold me. Um, and like Orlando said, back then, this was four years ago now, almost four years ago, this uh, November 17th was my first Amazon FBA shipment in 2015. Mm. And back then, we didn't deal with the brand restrictions. Nike back then was not restricted for anyone. You can just go. I remember the yeah. July that happened the following year. It was a July uh, morning. I hit the road and I was actually on my way to Nike and I saw one of our Facebook groups blow up because everyone's Nike stuff went restricted. I oh, remember wow. that vividly. Um, so back then when we started, it was way easier to start with Amazon back yeah, then. Yeah, it was like the Wild West. So it was there were no rules. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it wasn't really a choice between Amazon and eBay because eBay was a lot of extra labor work, I felt like. So I just went head on with Amazon and started from there. So when you start and and we'll we'll speed up the timeline, but I'm I'm super interested because like eBay, like like Trista said, it's easy. You find stuff around your house, you go to, you can go to a garage sale. There's I mean, wherever you go, you can find stuff. But with Amazon, you really have to like operate the seller app. You have to put the shipment together. So Chaz, what, what, where did you first go? Was it the liquidation pallets or was it you went somewhere and you started scanning? My very first 
trip. So the weekend seminar ended on a Sunday night. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And of course, any, anyone who's been to these things, you know exactly how they end. It's like the timeshare things. They do the $20,000 coaching package at oh, the yeah. end. Like, all that. I didn't have 20 grand. I didn't have $1,000 to my name then. And so I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Declined all the hard salespeople there, left that night. And here's the crazy part about those types of seminars. They didn't even mention an Amazon seller's app. They didn't mention really? shipment. It was all about, you know, private label and building and getting oh, okay. into their coaching, right? And buy my course. Buy my course. So I declined yeah. all of that. And then I got home Sunday night, Monday morning, I went out to Walgreens because it's five minutes down the road from here. I, w- I was so new. I didn't understand what hazmat was restricted. <laughs> oh so I goodness. was looking at like I was scanning perfumes that were on clearance and I bought a few perfumes and brought them home. And I'm like, oh, cool. I can make five bucks on this. And of course, anyone who knows Amazon, you can't sell those <laughs> right out of the gate. I didn't know what hazmat was and all that stuff. Um, so then I went to Walmart, the typical scenario, ran up and down the clearance aisle, found like four things. Brought it home. I was all pumped up. Went out the next day. Went to a Target or something like that. And I ran up and down the clearance aisle. Found a few more things. My first shipment was about 20 items. I sat here in our living room behind us uh, with our ottoman and my computer and my little printer and uh, did everything right right then and there. So I had my first shipment out in, I don't even know, a week. Yeah. I just, I'm the type I... Super fast. I go from idea to action pretty quick. I don't really do a lot of thinking in between. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one that will kind of be the thinker of the two. (laughs) That's good. You can, you need that to balance, you you know, each other out. I think that's really important. Uh, I like that. I like that you're just like a go-getter and and you go and do it. So you being the, the thinker, Trista, what, what was it in that three to four month period where you were like, you know what? I'm in on this. Like, what was the shift? Like what happened? Um, I think for me, it was just, uh, so I, I can tell you that Charles started this process. Sorry, we, our baby's just like hanging out on the floor. So sometimes <laughs> we have to like help her. With no worries. Um, that's why we do this business. So yes. our kids can hang out with us. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, Charles got started right at the end of, uh, Q4 basically, uh, the year that he started. And so it was just like gold, right? That's mm. prime time. I bought pallets of toys in November. Of course I was going to make yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be, you'd have to be just really trying hard not to make money at that point. Um, so he was buying these pallets and back then you could, uh, they weren't as, um, curious or worried about where product was coming from. So we were sending pallets you know, items from pallets and they were usually store pools, so not customer returns. Um, so he was flipping pallets. You can't do that anymore. I'm just going to tell you that now. Yeah. <laughs> if people to know. are listening or watching, do not do mm. that. But um, I actually had to pull all my old liquidation unboxing videos. I actually pulled those off YouTube about a year ago. Yeah, I know. I was looking for them yesterday. Uh, and I'm and like, so <laughs> on, the, on the YouTube side, anyone who knows YouTube business, like we get paid on ad revenue yeah. and different affiliate links. So I sacrificed thousands of dollars of ad revenue because those views were tremendous and they were just growing every month. I pulled them because people weren't looking at the timestamp. Those videos right, were almost nah. four years ago. So people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to this website and order a customer return palette and sell it all on Amazon. It's like, well, now you've got IP claims, you've got counterfeit claims. You have to have legit invoices from actual distributors to back that up or receipts from a retail store. Yeah. Well, let me say like my respect for you was already really high and it just went higher. Cause I think that, like you said, that's a, that's a bold move. I mean, you, yeah. you're right. You, you are sacrificing 
income, but the reason you're doing that is because you actually care about not putting out content that is going to mislead people. And I think that's, that says something. That's awesome. Yeah. My worst fear was I would get a message from somebody that says, Hey, my Amazon account just got suspended because I got a counterfeit claim from buying products that you recommended. Right. Yeah. So that's why I was, it was a no brainer. I had to cut those. Mm. So we always put that little disclaimer in when we talk about the palettes we started with, but anyway, we, we started with these palettes and they were toy palettes at Christmas time. Like how could you not make money? And it was just, super fast um flipping and then once we got into q uh or you know q1 again and we're new we don't even know what q1 is basically um <laughs> i just thought sales were like that all the time yeah, right. february got here i'm like wait why do you mean what the sales aren't but isn't that true like unless you're on social media or connected with people like all these terms you have no idea like bolo no. q4 you know, slow dime, fast nickel. Like you have no idea what these things mean. And people are talking about them. And when you guys get questions all the time, like what is Bolo? What is Q4? What is this? What is RA? What is RA? You're (laughs) right. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, it slowed down a bit, but we just started learning how to adapt really early. And then we were making enough money to replace his, his income. And it just so happened. I was in a job that I loved my job, uh, but the, company sold to a new company and I, they really changed a lot of the infrastructure and I I didn't agree with a lot of the things that they were doing. So I, I wanted to leave anyway. And so it was just kind of a good out for me. And Charles, uh, one day we were like, you know, he was working in the garage till 12, one in the morning, some nights and, and then getting up and, and doing it all over again. And all I see is like, stuff coming, stuff leaving, money coming into the bank account. We're like, what's going on? And he uh, said, you know, I think I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed. I think I'm going to have to hire help. And I was like, like hell, you're going to hire <laughs> someone to come in and hang out with my baby when I'm at work. So uh, we just made it, we, we made the leap. Nice. That's awesome. So talk on about that a little bit, because, you know, sometimes you watch YouTube or, and whatever, and you, it doesn't seem like it's that much of a hustle. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I just went to the store. I got a bunch of stuff. I shipped it out. Look at all the money I have. Yeah, and Chad, yeah. you, you talk on about this a lot about these late nights. You know, this doing the whole until one in the morning. Last night I was shipping at two in the morning. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a hustle. So explain it. Just elaborate a little bit, Chaz, and what your thoughts are if you want to build this. <laughs> Where do I even start? <laughs> so we're four years deep on this perfect example i did a post when did i do those six carts out of one store like uh maybe two months ago yeah like six to eight weeks ago i was fortunate enough i walked into this walmart they were doing a hard reset anyone who's in the business kind of knows what those terms are they were doing a hard reset they were deleting mods is what it's called bringing new inventory and getting rid of old stuff i was finding toys for two dollars at for 20 plus all day long i pulled six carts full of toys out of that which fortunately (laughs) i fit all of it i was driving her car luckily (laughs) that day because i went in expecting to get you know five ten twenty things six carts and then i'm able to post out on instagram like whoopee look at the money i'm gonna make (laughs) last night i did a post and it was an empty shopping cart and i said this sums up (laughs) my six hour sourcing day today that's the reality. That's how I can yeah. elaborate is you have to be willing to ride the roller coaster because this thing is a roller coaster. 
Um, and that's, I think with any business, we could just, you know, talk general business here, not just reselling specifically, but it was the same thing when I was a massage therapist, I had months where we had thousands of dollars extra because I worked on so many clients. I'm like, cool, we can go out and eat when we want. We can go do all this fun stuff. And then the next month I'd have trouble paying our rent because I didn't have any bodies on the table. Same thing with personal training, right? Mm -hmm. It goes, January is awesome for personal training. July, not many people want to go work out with me. So um, I learned early on, just any business you do, you have to be willing to ride the roller coaster. And plan ahead. And plan ahead. The people we see come and go in reselling are the ones who have an expectation that sales are going to climb and it's linear. They're going to keep climbing month after month. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're sourcing your, your butt off, it's not going to work that way. You're going to have seasons of, you know, sometimes it's really slow. Sometimes it's really busy. We have Q4, which is, you know, the months around Christmas time are incredible. And I had that false expectation because I started this whole thing in November <laughs> as a newbie. And I'm like, wow, I can pull these numbers every single month with Amazon. Great. And then February, more people do. Yeah, <laughs> February got here and I was, I got a, a quick wake up call with half my sales that month as the prior month. Um, so if you're willing to ride the roller coaster and stay consistent with this thing, um, that's, that's the mentality people need to come into it with. That's good. So what are, what are some of the strategies you use? Like, I mean, obviously we talk a lot on our podcast about like saving and being prepared for times when the market's down or when you're not able to source as much, but how, how do you keep that, that mindset of it's down right now, but I can keep going. Like, how do you encourage people through that? I, think I would say diversify first of all. Yeah, that's again, it comes back to like our brand side hustle network is because we're huge fans of multiple side hustles that makes up the ultimate business for us. Um, so diversifying if you can. I know a lot of people that jump way too soon. And we were kind of in that arena where we she quit her job probably six months too soon because we didn't have a large savings account. We had enough to float by for a few months. And we both realized real quick that we were going to be pretty financially tight for a few months until we got this business up. Um, So diversifying your income streams is a huge one. Um, And that doesn't mean you have to have a huge YouTube channel when you get started. It just means like we sell, we started on Amazon and then eventually moved to eBay. And, you know, uh, a lot of people sell, we don't sell on Mercari, but a lot of people sell on Mercari. Mm -hmm. We sell on Poshmark. We're really big fans of local sales. Um, You know, there's lots of ways to make money. Yeah. So when we say diversify your income, that's not you need another job or something like that. It doesn't have to be that. For some people it is, but diversifying categories, types of products. If if all you sell is shoes all year, you're probably going to see some dips on some months, right? Especially if you're selling cleats, there's going to be certain Mm -hmm. times during the year that those do really well. So instead of selling shoes all year round, if you catch a trend of like, well, during these months or these seasons, shoe sales are down. Why don't I try to flip and go for something else? Kitchen and home, go for toys, go for video games. Um, so finding multiple different outlets and products are going to help out. That's great info. And seriously, even, you know, and I don't want to delve onto glitch Glitchgate that's taking place right now, but, you know, some people <laughs> are saying they're struggling but if you've been cross posting in your other platforms, mm-hmm. you still feel the hit, but the hit isn't as hard. Right. Yeah. And yep. Uh, yep. so, yeah, 100 percent agree with you, even though I only sell on two platforms. I still agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. have other sources of income now. Let's talk about eBay. So you're doing Amazon and the, the argument I always get from people because I always say Amazon is just as much work as eBay. 
Now, you might yeah. disagree too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it is, you know, packing, shipping, unless you got a prep center. But yeah. what led you to go to eBay? Because you were kind of not anti-eBay, but you weren't willing to. Was oh, it? I was anti-eBay. Oh, you were anti-eBay. Okay. I, I did not want to work that hard. <laughs> okay, I was so, very lazy four years ago. <laughs> so uh, well, I wouldn't say lazy. I think you were just strategic. Let's just use the word strategic. Yeah. I, I was pretty lazy. Right. <laughs> Anyone who is like a diehard follower, Orlando's probably heard this a couple of times. I came from a background of playing video games 10 hours a night, yeah. uh, procrastinating everything in life. So like I was truly lazy four years ago. Um, but Trista is actually the one that got me into the eBay side because she came in, she was helping out with the Amazon side. Amazon was scaling and growing. Um, eventually we did hire um, someone to help out with prepping and labels and stuff like that. And then she started getting into following people that were selling clothing on eBay. And we happen to live by some really good Goodwill bins where you can get stuff mm. by the pound. So she's paying like 60, 70 cents per um, unit, basically per clothing item that you can sell for 20 plus all day. So she, she's the one that originally got into it. Yeah. And then from there I saw her success with the clothing and I'm like, well, Maybe I should try this out. So I tried the whole clothing thing. I'm <laughs> no, not a clothing you don't seller. like taking I, measurements and I putting them in the listing. Desire to learn the brands. I'm missing a lot of money. I know I am because I passed the women's clothing racks all day. But I did find that I I come from you know a little bit of a techie nerdy background. So I love video games. So I started selling some video games. I would find retro stuff. You know the old NES systems at garage sales. Um, then that kind of opened up the doorway into electronics, VCRs, stuff like that. And that's where I, I found it. And so VCRs is kind of what got me into it. Mm. That was my gateway drug into eBay. <laughs> and now, of course, I've been doing eBay myself for two years, three years now. Mm -hmm. And every summer here in Portland, Oregon, we get rain for about six months straight. So we don't have garage sales all year. We get them for about three months straight. And we start hitting garage sales like it was our job. Yeah. Because it was. <laughs> so Friday, Saturdays, non-negotiable, 7 a.m. To, to noon. That was basically our job every single summer. And from there, I learned more about hard goods. So I got into vintage, vintage toys. And anyone who watches our channel sees my, my nerd wall I've developed now. Um, that came from reselling. Um, I didn't know the true value of those types of products or hard goods stuff um, until just getting out there and practicing with it every year. That's kind of the cool thing about this business too, is that there's always something to learn. Mm. You know, I, mm. I always feel like I'm missing out and I, uh, I follow a couple people who sell like exclusively hard goods on, on Instagram. And I'm always kind of mm. like, how, how do they, how do they learned all of this? You know, like crazy, just things that you really have to be intentional about, um, learning, you know, to sell this stuff. So there's always room to grow in this business, which is really cool. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've uh, sold on eBay? Or most interesting, unique? Love, you know, what's funny <laughs> is we sent them a list of questions and now we're just going rogue. Some of the questions. <laughs> so, sorry about that. I would say the five foot tennis racket. Yeah, we sold nice. a five foot, like legit. It was as tall it as... It was awesome. Five three. <laughs> so it was a five foot tennis racket. It was a fun one. Yeah. Um... As far as, yeah, we haven't sold any like creepy items. I sold some uh, Puppet Master dolls, which were kind of creepy mm. for me to have in the warehouse. <laughs> those are creepy. Wow. Anyone who's seen that yeah. that movie series knows what I'm talking about. But those are just like chilling. And there was 11 of them, all, all the dolls. So they were all just <laughs> chilling. Um, that was a little bit on the creepy side. But the five foot tennis racket probably wins. 
as far as just odd item. Cause yeah. I walked by and I took an Instagram photo like, Hey, I just found a five foot tennis racket. I put it back. Cause I mean, who's going to try to sell this thing. <laughs> and then I looked it up and they they're 500 bucks new uh-huh. and they're meant for store displays. Uh-huh. It was built exactly like it was a working tennis racket. Huh. Um, my four-year-old and I had some fun in the warehouse. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> that obviously was a Franken box, right? To get that all put together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That took our employee Ryan and I 30 minutes of tag teaming this thing. So it wasn't too bad. We bubble wrapped it, stretch wrapped it. So it had that like tight clean. Mm. I love stretch wrap because of that. Um, and then we had to build the custom box. Basically we opened up two large Lowe's boxes. Um, we have a video on our YouTube channel. We time lapse the whole thing. Um, so we just built a custom box out of it. It was beautiful. Nice. That's awesome. Well, and so I beautiful to a freaking box. <laughs> no, but what that's reselling. That's reseller talk. Like, you know, you know, you're in the game when you use words like beautiful and it's a beautiful packaging <laughs> there. Uh, Are you get excited when you order supplies? That's always there you go. <laughs> the air when, pillows. When the new Woo! eBay coupon shows up, you're like, yes, time to score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so true. <laughs> All right. So, Hey, so talk to us about your operation because obviously you guys work as a team, right? Mm-hmm. And you're still on eBay and you're still on Amazon. And do you guys do Poshmark at all? Yep. Yeah. Oh, you do Poshmark, Poshmark too. Actually, recently we took that Disneyland trip. Yeah. It was four, was it four days? Three days at Disneyland, one beach day. Plane tickets, hotel, the Disney tickets, the food, which probably is the most expensive part. <laughs> All of it was 100% paid. We haven't really talked about this much. We're going to do a video on it. 100% paid for by Poshmark Clothing Sales. Really? That she's been doing for a while. For how many months did that take? Um, I don't remember. I think it was, I need to do the numbers before we do our our video, but I think it was around three months. And you weren't even hitting it like full force either. So the cool thing with Poshmark (laughs) is you can request a payout or you can just let it keep snowballing in there. And so that's what she did. She was flipping clothing and just snowballing it. And she paid for her entire trip out of Poshmark funds. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys like it because Poshmark is one of those things. It's like love or hate. So like if you were to be completely candid about your feelings on Poshmark, are you, are you, she loves it. <laughs> I, let me, let me I'm on team Chaz right I only, now. I only am not a fan. So I know it works. They've got, I think the best culture out of any of the online selling platforms. They've got hands down the best community, the culture aspect. I have an issue with sitting down and sharing. I, that's the one hiccup for me. I, I listed stuff and I tried it myself. I, I just, I can't get on board with the sharing and I know it's just simply going to be a personal preference for a lot of people. I actually find it to be kind of like a wind down at the end of my day, just Mm. share my closet a couple times before bed. And, um, it is a different customer base. I feel like, um, the people who shop on eBay, I don't feel like are shopping on Poshmark and vice versa. So, um, what I, I was not a believer. And then I had a high ticket item on eBay that had been on eBay for a couple months. That, that should jacket? Have, no, it was, I, it was a St. John evening where anyway, I, I put it on eBay. It had been on there for a couple of months and I'm thinking like, what's going on? Why isn't this sold yet? It was, you know, competitive, competitively priced. And uh, I put it, I just, threw it up on Poshmark really quickly and it sold in a week for, wow. for a full asking price. So I thought there's something here I'm totally missing out on. I need to put some more time toward this. So, um, just over time I've, um, I've done a little cross posting. Um, it got a little 
hairy with cross posting when I uh, went on maternity, like my maternity leave. You know, <laughs> nobody pays for my maternity leave. It's so annoying. But <laughs> yeah, we didn't get a check this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had a job last maternity. Leave. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so the I say the boys, Charles and our um, our employee at the at the warehouse, they were doing all of my shipping and not knowing that they needed to delete one listing when it when it sold on oh. one platform so got a little messy uh, um <laughs> it was a daily text like hey i can't find this item oh it sold on poshmark yeah. or vice versa or vice oh, versa no. so it got a little messy there uh, so that's a that's up. a mistake <laughs> yeah. if anyone do didn't that. catch that don't do that <laughs> so but, I, 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 go ahead keep going no, I was just going to say, I, I, I do understand it is a little more time consuming, but you're tapping into a different market. I feel like, so I feel like it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I have a selfish question. So, <laughs> so I have a helper, you know, who does my listings and takes pictures for me on eBay, strictly clothing. Cause I, I do not like doing any of that clothing stuff, mm-hmm. hard goods, collectibles. I love it because you know, you, you sometimes when you source things you like, it, it's a lot easier. Right. And I always yeah. tell people, find a niche that you really enjoy and sourcing right. will be a lot of fun. Don't source stuff just for profit. Now, just profitable stuff. Definitely pick it up. Mm-hmm. So the next step for me is getting employees. See, I call them employees, Mike. Just letting you know. Yes. I always call them helpers. I don't know. I'm every, against the helper. I think it sounds weird. Every, everybody calls them helpers, except they just call them. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so. How do you get to shipping? Like, do they have access to your account directly? Is it, are you using Inkfrog from eBay? How, how do you do it? Like, how did you get to a place where you felt comfortable with somebody accessing your account and then to trust somebody? Cause shipping is kind of an art form. It's not something you just go, okay, well, this is how you sh- yes. ship a shirt. Go for it. Like you have exactly. to actually take the time and show them. So how'd yeah. you guys get there? So I love that you brought that up because that's that's a video topic I've had in my head for a while to talk about is the whole hiring and training process. In my personal opinion, and I, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but I'm sure she feels the same way. The process <laughs> and like basically this is the order that we will hire people for different jobs, essentially different tasks. Number one we hired for was photos. If you mess up a photo, totally fine. You can retake it. You can teach them you know, how to improve on it. Number two is creating the listing. Now, if someone messes up on a listing, they price too low, which this has happened. Um, we've had stuff get priced, you know, 20 bucks too low and it sells instantly. And I'm like, great, a sale. Oh, that was supposed to be 50, not 30. That gets to be a little more hairy. So photos is the first thing that we outsource for our people. We've had, we have two part-time people um, and they both can take over hundred percent of the eBay um, back end, except for sourcing. We have not outsourced that part yet. Um, so photos, number one, listing is number two. Number three is going to be shipping. And number four would be the actual sourcing. Sourcing is the last thing that you want to outsource because you are the best at what you do, right? Um, So that's what you focus on. So when it came to um, the shipping part, I'm trying to think how long Ryan was with us. It was a while. And I would say we probably micromanaged a little longer than he would have liked. But (laughs) Oh, I I hovered. I was helicopter mom to that that kid. (laughs) And and there were still mistakes. I think that that's important to remember is that whoever is shipping, whether it's you in your business or somebody else, mistakes are going to get made. I've made mistakes. Charles has made mistakes. Um, It comes with the territory as far as working. Yeah. For yourself, I would say though, um, 
yeah, we do give our employees access to our eBay store completely. Mm. They see kind of what comes in, what comes out. And that's um, completely going to be based on comfort and trust for yeah. anyone listening to this. If you guys, if you're, oh, Side Hustle Network said you could just give them access. <laughs> like <laughs> it, can, it comes down to, we have a very solid relationship with, with our yeah. two helpers. So yeah, comfort and trust is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know I'll come after them. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people find, and I've shared this a lot, but I, I'm interested in your perspective. How do you find those people that you can trust? Do you put an ad? Is it somebody lines. that's friends or family? How, how do you yeah. find them? So we've gone through a lot of like part-time um, employees before and mm-hmm. we've done the friends and family thing. And it's for us, it worked, but it just always created that extra barrier in the relationship almost. So we just kind of like tw- we pivoted. We don't want to do that. Um, I lucked out with our first part-time employee because I went to high school with her. Um, so we already had that foundation of connection there. Um, and she's worked out great. She's been with us for two, two years, and half, yeah. two, two and a half years now. So she's been phenomenal. Um, the other one was the first legit like stranger setup. Huh. And we put out a, I created an application with Google Forms. So just a basic employee application, gave a little background on what we do because when you hire for this type of business, it's people don't realize what they're getting into. You're not hiring for just one job. It's, I might have you do photos one day. I might have you put a camera on me the next day. I don't know what's, what your job is going to be. So I came up with a basic application, gave an overview, and I posted it out to our local buy, sell, trade Facebook groups. From there, we took the top five people, five-ish, three to five people, and we just set up appointments 30 minutes apart from each other at a Starbucks. Um, and that's not going to be the best <laughs> and most professional way to do it, probably. And a lot of people won't agree with that, but that's just how we did it. And we also live in a really small we town live in a of very small 35,000 people. <laughs> so um, it's got a really small town feel. Yeah. A little different if you're in the city. probably. Um, so what we did from there was it, I didn't even care so much about the resume because technically on paper, if we went strictly by resume, there's no way I should have hired our guy, Ryan. He was seven or 16 at the time. He's now 17, but he was 16 years old. I would never hire a 16 year old. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, you did what now? The, the person that had an interview before him had 20 years of eBay experience, this, that, like, but the issue was we asked, you know, why do you want this job? And it was, well, I need something to do. Mm. And I thought, well, it, I know that if people get to the level of being bored, they're just going to want to move on to the next thing. I don't want my employee to have that mindset. I don't want them to get bored doing the same task every day and think, well, Maybe I'll look for something else. That's what I did when I was job job hopping back in the day. So then Ryan strolls in, 16 years old, first interview. He's never had a job before. He's shaking. (laughs) Like I gave him crap for this afterwards, but he's shaking and sweating. And I like slid his resume away. I'm like, I don't need to see the resume of a 16 year old. (laughs) Why do you want this? And he's like, was was there something on there? There was a couple things like he's Not done really. some like, like lawn or something. It, his dad runs a tech company. Okay, so okay. he's like done work for, so he had some stuff on there. Okay. But I'm like, he's 16. I just want to hear what he's up to in life. Right. I didn't know what I was doing at 16. So I was curious. So from there, I just simply just asked him like, tell me about yourself and what are you about? Why do you want this job? And he opens up with, well, I want to be a pilot and I need to find a way to make money to become a pilot. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I like, He's 16. He wants to eventually fly planes. And he's like, no, I actively take money I earn right now. And I pay somebody to take me up in the air. And he's actively training to be a pilot. Like wow. he's, he's flown planes. 
at 16. Yeah. yeah I'm like, awesome. okay, you got, you got my attention here. Yeah, and so from there, we just got deeper into the conversation and this kid's got drive. He's got fire. He's motivated. He wants to work. And it all came down to, I just want to make money and I want to help you guys grow your business. And he, without hesitation, he made it to his car, drove away. And Tristan, and I looked at each other. <laughs> like, I opened my phone and sent him an email saying, can you start Monday? Yeah. Wow. But and that's, I think on that's a, how we worked it out. And you're probably like asking on a broader question because you're not going to find Ryan. Sorry. Sorry. He's, he's ours. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, get, I have a helper too, but you know, yeah. I, I have a good because it's somebody, it's actually a former student of mine that I taught back in the day. So I fully knew who this person was and I'm friends with the family. Now I get the Thanksgiving tastes a little bit different if you ever yeah, had, yeah. you know, you know, cause you hired someone. So I get that piece. So that's important too. Yeah. But yeah, so- I would say though that like uh, we, before we even found uh, Jamie or our, you know, first helper, I, I call them helper, helpers too. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but before we found Jamie, we went through a couple of people and you can tell right away just by the way someone peels a sticker. Good Lord. I mean, (laughs) come on. Work ethic shows. It it shows right away. So you can tell if someone's driving or, you know, has the driver has motivation to do a good job. And then from there, it's really handing off tasks as you feel comfortable and definitely just get rid of the tasks that are most time consuming Listing is a hundred percent that Mm -hmm. I would rather ship 45 items than list 10 things. Sometimes (laughs) that's true. (laughs) I'm the same way. And like, if you guys are to that point where you're thinking about hiring somebody um, on the Amazon side, you should not be peeling stickers or putting stickers on things Mm. The prep in the ship. The, of course you have to be there with them and do multiple shipments and train them Mm -hmm. how to use inventory lab and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's a different episode, but with Amazon, you should be getting rid of all that prep work, all the shipping. You should be focusing your time sourcing more products. That's what you're good at. That's what makes money. And then on the eBay side, like I said, that's just my personal little like bullet point system we follow. So photos, very hard to mess up because photos don't get uploaded until they're perfect. Um, if someone messes up on shipping, on the other hand, that can be a problem. You can be risking a negative review, all that kind of stuff. So that's why it's the last one of the last things that we outsource. I get it. I, I will say I am a little bit harsh. If they can't get pictures after the first or second time, I'm like done. <laughs> like you just <laughs> like this, this is the most simplest task with an iPhone to do. Like you can't get this wrong. So yeah. But yeah, if the phone is a good place, I mean, photos are a good place to start. Yeah, and I like what you said, Trist, about like how they peel off a sticker. It says a lot about them. I almost feel like that should be part of the, a hiring process. Is you have like they have to go step by step. It sounds you, like a book name. Yeah. And how do you peel your stickers? Yeah. And, and set, yeah. Yes. set up like almost like a gauntlet they have to go through. And so they have to, <laughs> and you can tell whether or not they take their time or if they're just like, I just want to get it off and they yeah. ruin a tag, you know, like, yeah, that, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's it, awesome. There's a lot of tells that you can just pick up on right away. Mm. You know, we had somebody bring her baby to the first day of work and I was like, okay, clearly this is not going to work. My baby's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's your business. <laughs> and you, you can, you can pay attention to those qualities too. When he gets to the point where I knew Ryan was a keeper for us when sales were down and he was asking how he can improve it and he thought it was his fault. Oh, wow. That's when I'm like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. I need that's a contract huge. for 10 years with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to tell. Um, and of course, any new person, give them a little bit of slack. But, you know, if it's been a month, two months, and they still just are not clicking, you need to you need to move on. Mm. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. 
All right. So now I have a warehouse question. If you could do it all over again, would you go warehouse? And and (laughs) when should you go to? Because you guys had two warehouses, right? You had one warehouse and then you upgraded, right? Yeah, we have. That's when you know somebody's been following us for a while. I know. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you guys have brought a lot of value to the community. Uh, learned a ton that. over the years. Saved me a lot of headaches in Q4. I'll tell you that. So. I'm glad I went through them first. And there's yeah. some things I wish I listened to. So, yeah. so I'm telling you, that you one of the, I'll share real quick. One of the best things you shared, Chaz, was when you do FBA, you got to either be the first one out or the last one out. All right. That's not how you said it. You said it's, but it's so yeah, true, right? First, first one, first one in cash, get that mm-hmm. 20% ROI if that's what it is and get off that listing or be the last one standing because mm. then you can double your money sometimes. Which but, would have applied more like three or four years ago. Now, yeah. now it's a whole different ballgame with Amazon IPI. And anyways, don't want to get... We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Into the details. Yeah, the yeah exactly. <laughs> but, it, but it's a big deal. Okay, so Warehouse, would you do it again? And if you... If you would, what are what would be the reason why you would go a warehouse? So we grew into our warehouse because of being on two platforms and okay. needing the space to grow both platforms at the same time. Because Amazon, yeah, I even would bet we can still run our Amazon business out of our garage, like hundred percent. Yeah, and for those that don't know, we were in our garage for two years. Until we don't even have a two car garage, like a standard garage. It's a weird, it's single width, but double length. Huh? It's this long, skinny garage. Wow. Um, so if you watch our older videos, you'll see us working in there, but we were in there for two years. So we built a foundation. I would believe we can still run aside from having a commercial address, which helps for wholesale. Obviously mm-hmm. I bet we can still run our Amazon business because product doesn't sit around too long. It's in and out in 24 hours. But when we brought on eBay, we had no choice. It was just racks started to get put up and shelves and all this stuff. And we got bins and it started to overflow into the kitchen area where we're at right now. And that's when it became an issue. So we had to go out and look. Yeah. And I would say, would we do it again? Yes. We've made some mistakes though. And so lots of them. I would, gosh, it's so hard because you you can't ever go back. You know, you wish that you could change things and make better decisions or just know what you know now. Um, But I would say that overall, it's been a great experience. Mm. We've, you know, definitely taken those hits together and we've learned a lot from them and learned a lot about each other, Mm. Uh, which is, I mean, like, like you you guys want a great way to build your relationship to that next level, start a (laughs) business together. (laughs) That will test every miscommunication or weakness you guys Yeah. You want to find those holes? (laughs) own a business together you'll find them but um i mean we're we're definitely stronger for it but i would say you know put it off just as long as you possibly can because it is overhead run as lean as you can is like mm -hmm. the number one that's why like i agree we would i would do it again Mm -hmm. but our first warehouse space was 600 square feet it was 640 dollars a month totally doable Mm -hmm. and i feel like we should have held on to that space longer mm-hmm. because what happened was we were in that space for about nine months and in the same building, this is a giant, I don't even know how many square feet the whole building is. It's probably like 30,000 square foot building and they have it segmented out into 1000 square foot bays. Some of them are smaller. So we had a smaller one 
And what happened was nine months in, we were cruising and growing and scaling no problem. And then our landlord reached out and said, hey, somebody's moving out. And now there's 2,000 square feet open. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And we, we worked out a deal. So we were going to pay a thousand bucks per month for the full 2000 square feet. And we're like, yeah, of course, that's a killer deal. 50 cents a square foot. Mm. So we moved in and eventually the time came that our rent got bumped up to the 1500 a month, which is now what we pay. Um, and that's where it, it became real that we've got a lot more overhead than we did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now we've been in it for a year, but you know, in the old space, 640 a month was totally doable. Mm. Um, and now it's, we have to work to cover the 1500s. We started hosting these monthly warehouse sales, um, which helps out with that. We've got a couple other, am I allowed to say anything? When's the podcast dropping? <laughs> so this is, this is dropping on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so. So, okay. I have to hold off then, but we're okay. working on some other stuff. You, we're working on other stuff using the current space to pay mm. for itself. Um, so there's ways you can do that. Um, local selling is a huge, huge way to, to get into that. Um, so I definitely recommend if anyone does have the space, especially in a warehouse or a storage unit or something like that, open up those doors to the public once a month. That's been a game changer in, in kind of our strategy because now we can bring in an extra thousand bucks a month profit that starts chipping away at that lease. Yeah, yeah so, but it is a, it's a painful check to write every month. It so is if you can painful. avoid writing that, you know, yeah. and, and really rolling that money back into your business, because at the end of the day, it's not going back into your business. It, it is in a, in the sense that you have space to grow, yeah. but it's not going into products. And sometimes, you know, you'd rather see that product go into Amazon than cutting that check. Yeah. So, so all, it's all hard. in all, it's, we, it, we would do it again. I think we would have tried to stay as lean as possible yeah. a lot longer than just looking at this big candy of a shop and be like, yeah, let's do it mm-hmm. uh, without properly scaling the way we probably should have in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think to like, kind of like you said, like before with like that linear, that linear yeah. progression that people see and, and you know, you did, you did so well in the first warehouse. It's like bigger is going to mean better, which obviously exactly. you're able to grow into yeah. it. But at the same time, if you're not ready to be there yet, you know, Yep. You're not going to necessarily have that linear growth immediately. It's going to take yep. time. Yep, exactly. But it's really nice in there. I will tell you, yeah. the workspace. Is, we've got a really good setup. I'm I'm very, very happy with it. Now, I got a question about those like open warehouse sales that you have. So yep. are, you selling, are you selling product that is listed on eBay? Or is this so stuff that's not like eBay quality or not listed yet? It's kind of grown into its own beast in a <laughs> yeah. sense. So it, this whole thing we started, do. we've run six... Mm-hmm. We've done six of these sales once a month, first weekend of each month, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it started as before the warehouse here at our house, everyone has customer returns that come in. We all have bad buys that sit around for a year that you just don't want to deal with anymore. <laughs> so we would do a, once a year, we would do a big garage sale right in our front yard. Mm. We always did really well with it. Just get rid of all the crap. And so from there, we got into the warehouse space, the bigger one. And we're like, Hey, we should do another one of those yard sales that we used to do, but now we have it indoors, mm. right? So we have our own little like indoor flea market for ourselves. So we pulled all the excess eBay inventory that was just not moving the stuff that's only worth, like I had list for 12 bucks. It's yeah. not worth it to make $3 on that thing. I pulled all that stuff off Amazon customer returns. I, I went through and purged our Amazon inventory, anything that was selling, for $12 or less, I just pulled it and recalled it back. Um, so from there, we threw everything onto the main floor on tables, opened up the doors, and I don't, how much did we do on the first one? We probably did like 1200 bucks in sales. 
Nice. Minus, of course, whatever my original buy cost was. Right. I don't remember. Um, so we we saw like, hey, if we can make a thousand bucks just on junk, what mm. happens if we can find some product for this? So now we are specifically looking for um, pallets and liquidation loads for the warehouse sale because our average sale price, we've done six of these now. So we kind of have a regular customer base. Uh-huh. We have some data to go by because we use Google Sheets and we track every single sale. We track how many pieces of clothing sold this day, how many how many electronic home goods, all that stuff. Wow. So now when I'm sourcing product on different liquidation auctions, if I can keep my buy cost under $3 per unit, I know I have data to back up that shows my customers pay between 6 and $8, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a lot of margin to some people. But when you're doing volume, right. we get a couple hundred people that roll through our warehouse now once a month. Um, and the cool part is now we've gained a customer base that's looking for specific items. So I've got a, I've got a star Wars guy. He came on the first one and he spent 300 bucks on what I thought was just junky star Wars returns. Spent 300 bucks on it all. He will buy any of my star Wars stuff. Got a gal who buys all of our Legos. I've got somebody now who does wizard of Oz. Hmm. So now when I'm outsourcing, even if it's a little bit higher cost, these people are collectors that will pay top dollar for these items. Hmm. So now it's cool to have, this audience base that is looking for a specific item. Um, and we still go through once a month and we purge our eBay inventory if we have excess stuff. Um, Amazon, I'm constantly monitoring older inventory, if I can call that and um, put it in there. But it's a big mix of different stuff. It's been a lot of fun. Do you guys have some resellers that come in there and, and try and buy some inventory? So shockingly, I still am mind blown by this. I don't know if it's because we're in a super small town um, everyone knows Portland, Oregon. We're actually an hour south of Portland. Mm-hmm. We're in this mm-hmm. little small town, McMinnville. And I just don't think we have a lot of resellers around here because, nice. uh, so Jacob from, you guys are probably familiar with Portland Pickers. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Jacob and Erica come down once a month and we just, you know, they help us out with the mm-hmm. sale and we give them mm-hmm. free table space to throw all their stuff on too, nice. because they That's crush cool. it with the state sales. And so we partnered up with them, started doing the sale together. And Jacob and I keep joking around on the last day, like if one eBay person would come in here and offer a couple hundred bucks for everything that's left, we would happily do it. And no Mm. one's done. And I still (laughs) not seen one person come in and start scanning. Wow. So I'm, I'm shocked. And I purposefully have been pricing some of the stuff so cheap that it could be flipped. Wow. It's just stuff I don't want to deal with. Maybe yeah. after the podcast, somebody in the area is listening and will show up. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 taking, they're like, okay, what's your address? Yeah. Uh, $200 for everything. You're like, not yet. Come back in yeah, a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we've gotten to the point, some sales where we have a lot left over, we'll literally just throw up a dollar for a lot mm. of stuff. Um, stuff that's worth 20 bucks online, stuff uh, I just don't want to deal with, Yeah, right? I've got other stuff I want to focus on. Mm. And you're big on reinvesting, right? You always yeah. have that cash flow. Exactly. Because we've hit many, many times. And this just came, this ties back to, you know, we both quit our jobs probably a little bit too soon. Because again, I go from idea to action real quick (laughs) without much proper planning in between there. Um, But so we've hit a lot of roadblocks with cash flow where I'm buying a lot of stuff just because it's cheap, but it may not be the the best or quickest selling product. And so we get stuck Mm. with a lot of product not enough cash flow coming in. So that's why we start liquidating a bunch of stuff in these warehouse sales. And that's been a nice injection. Our best one we've done so far was, I think we did $2,100 in sales. 1200 was net profit because I tracked our buy cost. Huh. Um, and that's just been a great upfront um, cash flow at the beginning of the month, which again, then I, when I write my warehouse check, it's a little bit less painful because oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got the cash right here. 
Wow. I, I think I'm going to do something in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I have, you know, I, I bought a ton of stuff in liquidation from Toys R Us. Yeah. And, you know, because it was so cheap, I bought it. But now <laughs> I'm like, well, it's still, it's taking up a lot of space. Yeah. And I'm thinking about what you're saying. So maybe it's time. And I yep, got, and you I, know. I've even started doing like, you know, yard sale challenge hashtag because I'm telling people host a yard sale. If you're not in a sunny area, then obviously you have to find another method indoors to try out. Um, get a flea market booth, do something. Uh, for those of you in the sunny states, where and obviously San Diego, you guys mm -hmm. get a little bit more sun than we do yeah. up here. Um, but if I tell people if you don't, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't have a, I don't, I live in an apartment, I don't have a yard or a garage um, or anything I can do a sale out of. I'm like, you got friends and family, don't you? I bet if you pitched them fifty bucks, they would probably let you use their driveway mm -hmm. for a weekend. Um, and I've had a couple of people message me that do it, and they're like, wow, I made an extra four hundred bucks. Nice. And we even did this. We had a personal, yeah. not even reselling inventory. We had a personal yard sale uh, to help uh, with that Disney fund. It was like a last minute push. And so we made, we pulled 600 bucks on crap in our garage that nice. wasn't even reselling inventory, just our own junk. Mm. Yeah. So everyone's got at least, you know, a couple hundred bucks sitting around their house that they can put into a yard sale, especially if you're a reseller. Yeah. Oh, you've got, you've got way more. <laughs> I would urge you do it for, do it for two days and put up a Facebook marketplace post about it. You know, set it up all up on tables, take a picture, Facebook marketplace post. You can even run a Facebook ad targeted to everyone in your area. Um, Craigslist offer up and just do a post about that epic garage sale, whatever you want to call it. And then tag me. <laughs> yeah. and then tag me when it happens. So so I can see yeah. what sales you do. That's oh. awesome. No, I I think it's gonna be a reality soon. All right. So <laughs> no, I there's something I'll share with you guys after, but I got a lot of yeah. Amazon inventory I had to. Oh well we talked about in the last podcast where certain items I can't sell anymore. And so I have a lot coming back to me. So gotta <laughs> gotta figure out what to do with that stuff. Yeah. All right. Hey, so I had a question. So I've been you know, we, we watch you on Instagram and you had talked about your restructuring, right? I saw you guys on Sunday trying to, trying to move stuff out. And so explain to me what's going on with that restructuring. What are you guys doing exactly? Yeah. For two full days, we were in there hammering out the whole thing. So our setup is we have a thousand square feet on basically our floor. And then we have a nice 500 square foot loft. Now it's about five foot eight. So I have to I don't go up there much because I have to squat down. Um, luckily, we have a little rolling stool, so I just sit down and roll my way around upstairs. Um, but we had our our eBay inventory has always been split. We had all the clothing and shoes upstairs. All the hard goods was downstairs. And it was just taking up too much space. Anyone who's watched our Instagram, I am not shy to like post the real stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, see how dirty that looks? <laughs> so we did something about it. So we moved all the eBay inventory upstairs. Our floor is now completely open. Um, mm -hmm. We're switching gears a little bit for Q4 this year. We've always done the toy hustle, um, retail arbitrage. I don't want to go out and drive around for 10 hours a day anymore. Um, so we're going to be switching gears and getting a lot more into wholesale and online arbitrage. And we started that swing and we just stopped putting gas on the fuel. Uh, gas on the fuel, <laughs> fuel on the fire. We got it. Fuel on the fire. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so it just kind of dwindled down. So I'm going to respark that, get back into it, so I can make phone calls and send emails to order a product instead of draw. I'm still going to go out probably once or twice a week, but I'm not going to be doing the five day a week hustle because obviously, as you guys can hear, we've got a five month old. Yeah. We've got our our five year old. Um, I want to be home a lot more yep. than I was last year because last year I sacrificed a lot of personal time. 
um, to build the business. We had a great Q4, but I sometimes weigh out like I missed out on a lot of stuff. I missed family dinners. I missed some of the stuff that I built this business to be at in the beginning. And so I'm kind of restructuring a lot of that stuff. So we mm. cleared out the floor to make room for a lot of pallets and inventory. Um, and then also looking at the warehouse sale, we are now entering a prime competitive edge because in our area, rainy season is now here. Mm. No one else is going to be hosting yard sales anymore. We actually had yeah. competition, believe it or not. We had competition for our, our warehouse sale because we had people that were putting up signs right next to ours. Uh, we oh, had man. people knock down our signs a few times. Wow. Uh, That's vicious. It wasn't windy those days. And then <laughs> we also windy. had people that we had certain sales that were just fire. We had hundreds of people rolling through. And then the next sale after that, we're like, how come 50 people have come through today? That's not mm. normal. And we'd go out and look at where our signage was because we have four signs around town. We'd go look at our signage and realize people had almost the same color signs next to ours pointing in another direction. Oh, that's so now brutal. that we're entering rainy season, I have an indoor warehouse. Mm. I'm going to be the only person in town doing these sales now. So we're making room for more stuff uh, for those sales. So anyone who's been watching our Instagram, we've done, actually did a whole YouTube video on it too. So what you saw on Instagram is like one sixteenth mm-hmm. mm. of the footage. So we're putting together a YouTube video showing the whole structure breakdown. Um, and then we've got one other project we're going to be doing as well. I can't announce quite yet. It's all good. Yeah. It's a good stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to see. If you tuned. haven't subscribed to Side Hustle Network, yeah, you follow, should. Follow the Side Hustle Network. The Side Hustle Network. Yeah, follow the Side Hustle Network on Instagram so when they release that uh, information, you'll be the first to find out. And YouTube. And YouTube, yeah. All right, so tell I me a little bit. Oh, can I add one more thing to that? Go yeah. for it, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say also, like, when we were kind of purging, you know, I think that we... A lot of people make bad buys. <laughs> We've done it. Everybody does it. And and maybe it wasn't even a bad buy at the time, especially with clothing. Clothing, I see trends, you know, certain brands are trending. And then, you know, I used to get tons of money for um, Eileen Fisher. And now I can barely get 20 bucks out of it, you mm. know? So it's just, it's always, um, the market's always changing. And um, she's saying I need to stop buying so much crap. Yeah. <laughs> stop buying that Eileen Get Fisher with the trends, trends, man. Get with the trends. <laughs> but like Charles said, like we're, we're putting stuff in the in the warehouse sale that it's like, OK, we've marked this down on eBay so far. You can't I, we're, we're going to pay someone to take it off our hands at this point. We might as well make a couple of bucks at it, you know, with it at our sale. Um, but I think just even if you don't have a monthly or even like half a year sale going on, you're always like looking at your inventory, thinking, how can I be better? How can I grow my ROI to be the best that I can be? Um, and that's super important. That's something that we're really looking at this year and kind of making yeah. adjustments where they need to be made. It's the hard part with having all the inventory and eBay stuff on the main floor before we moved it all upstairs was a lot of it somehow got commingled between me just like throwing stuff on shelves and then letting death piles happen on the tables. Like, and I take full responsibility for it too. It got so bad to the point where Tristan didn't even want to go to the office because yeah. it was just like a mess. I, I was, I was numb to it at this point. Right. I also it became have like, noise. I, I have a little bit of an anxiety disorder. So when I see like messes, it like, I can't, really function it's <laughs> not good so <laughs> so by having all the listed inventory upstairs now we've yeah. now come up with a system on the fresh clean floor where we have certain designated spots which is for processing 
Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff is not allowed to sit for more than 48 hours. Um, It has to get processed. Is it going eBay, warehouse sale, or Amazon or Poshmark? Um, So that's kind of another little bonus of of having a clean, fresh start is, is really learning to cherry pick our inventory now. Uh, that's great. I mean, we're actually in the middle of doing a uh, a book review right now, and we're doing a book called Make Your Bed. And that's one of the things we talked about is just yep. just having that clean space or having, you know, completing a task that first and foremost, but then also having a, a place where it's kind of calming and not distracting is, is very mm-hmm. beneficial. So. Uh, I I get the kitchen overflow though. I'm working on it, but I get it. He's got stuff in his cabinets in his kitchen. He's like, oh, where's that VCR? I think it's in this cabinet. No, I don't have VCRs. I mean, I have like like knickknack. VCRs would be pretty intense. That's oh, I mean, I do your reseller win. Yes, watch out for that Bose. Anyways, um, (laughs) so all right, so share with us uh, some of your. Well, you shared with us some of your greatest scores. Maybe you want to share a little bit more, and then what are some of the mistakes you'd like to share? Or, or, Haven't we already talked about all our mistakes? You did a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> bad buy. What was a bad buy? Bad buy. One oh, single golly. bad buy? Yeah, like a bad purchase where you're like, oof, this, oh, this was a bad buy. Like a major, a but a major buy. one. It can't be like the $5 buy. It has to be, you know. Yeah, yeah we've all made bad. the, uh, so our biggest one, um, we, <laughs> oh, jeez. We so like we being real on this podcast. We kept an item from this because it was such a bad buy and we had to remember it for every future purchase. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm I our, our most expensive mistake. Yeah. We had spent, so we had our garage. We were a year. No, not even a year. We were probably six, six to eight months, months. Yeah. Into the Amazon game. Uh, we had just kind of started dabbling into eBay for your clothing stuff. So we knew we had eBay to sell this stuff on. And I thought, well, I've, flipped at this point at least like 10 pallets worth of liquidation stuff just fine why don't we commit to buying half a truckload oh. which uh. instead of buying one or two pallets at a time we now are committing to at least 10 oh. in one load in our garage yeah god bless our neighbors who are good <laughs> friends of ours when we had to call them like hey um how much room do you have in your garage oh, man. so we found out if we cleared one small walkway up the middle we can fit eight pallets in our garage and then the other three in their garage. Oh, geez. And so I pallet jacked those pallets down the road all the way to their house. Um, but we, we looked spent, like lunatics, so, by the way. <laughs> so the mistake was I looked through these manifests, not all the way. And if you don't know what a manifest is, it's just a, typically an Excel spreadsheet that will show an itemized breakdown of everything that's in that load. So I took a general look because, you know, I was a, Palette Pro at the time. I had flipped 10 of them. I knew what I was doing. So I looked through this stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's only $3,000 to get 11 pallets. So I broke it down how many units were in each pallet. And this is where I didn't look through the manifest all the way. I just looked at more so how many units in every pallet. Mm. And then I took 3,000 divided by how many units. That's how much we're going to pay. So I told the sales rep, okay, I want to get these 11 pallets is what they had up for grabs. And it was buy all or nothing. So I had to buy all 11. I'm like, yep, this works out fine. That breaks down to like, $5 $5 a unit. I know I can sell this stuff for 10. We're good. And then the shipping costs got landed on. I had never dealt with freight on mm. this big of a load before. I was used to paying like a hundred, maybe 200 bucks for a pallet. So he came back again. This was $3,000 in inventory costs. Came back with $2,800 for freight. Yeah. yeah. So I've never <laughs> dealt with freight. I didn't know that that was stupid high. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't know any better. Now I know that that should have cost less than 1000 to ship to me. Mm. So There's my, all these lessons in yeah. this story. My, Everybody pay attention. Yeah. So my buy cost <laughs> now doubled from about $5 a unit to now almost $10 a unit, which is what I thought I was going to sell this stuff at. And of course, <clears throat> I could have stopped and be like, you know, it's a little bit too high on our cost. I'm just going to move on to the next deal. Thanks for your time. That's what I should have done. But I was eager and, and a little money hungry to make that deal. Mm. So I'm like, yep, done. Send me the invoice. Paid almost $6,000. The stuff gets shipped here. We store it. And in my head, the second mistake was how much time it would take. Mm. Right. So first mistake was the money up front, the shipping cost, without looking through the manifest properly. Second mistake was the time I thought, and I told her, because this is when she just had quit her job to come help me do all this. Because I thought, what better way than ordering 11 pallets <laughs> yeah. to get you in the Put game? it to work, right. man, you know? So You'll definitely want to do this after. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, if I do, if we do this many units, blah, blah, blah. So I had told her, I'm like, yeah. So we got the 11 pallets. We sorted them. And she was, again, she has a little bit of anxiety stuff going on sometimes. Yeah. So she looked at this and like... <laughs> I lost it. I lost what it. What are we doing? <laughs> and how many days did I tell you it would take? We we really thought we could get through it in a week. I told her it would take seven days to get through all this. Mm-hmm. About four, three weeks later. Three to four weeks later. Yeah. We're still processing a bunch of stuff. Oh. And this was now, if anyone now we know better. And at the time, if this had been shelf pulls, um, this would have been a different story. Shelf mm. pulls is when a store can't sell a product. So it's all still new in the box and they mm. ship it to you. This was customer returns, mm. which means there was a lot of boxes yeah. beat up. There was a lot of testing because we got toasters and crock pots and all wow. that stuff needed tested. This just sounds painful. It was like a, it was like a litter of just like appliances oh just plugged gosh. into electrical outlets wherever we could just test things and make sure yep. they turned on. And then it was. A and I'll never. We'll never. Do you guys have any it. documentation of this? Do you guys take any video of this? No. I'm sure I've got photos. That would be great because you know the the. Out. The videos that get the most views right now are, are still, I mean, not as much, but it's the pallet, right? But usually yep. they're like successful. If you had yeah. one that said, we ordered 11 pallets and they all failed, like <laughs> never that would be, pallets that'd be awesome clickbait. Anyway, just throwing <laughs> it out there. Uh, that's a prime example of what we should have been doing earlier on. Now we're way better at this, but earlier on, and this goes for all content creators, YouTubers, Instagram, et cetera, mm -hmm. don't just share the highlight reels. Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed at the failure we had that I was like, I'm not taking any footage of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be just, I'm going to be told, I told you so. <laughs> I knew you were going to fail this business. All those things running mm -hmm. through my head. So we have a few photos. We didn't take any video, uh, which unfortunately now I know better. That would have been so, not just a cool video to do, to look back on, but I know how much that would have helped so mm -hmm. many more people that have made that same mistake. Um, but yeah, so about four weeks into this, we're processing and I'll never forget the item that we kept because it was about two in the morning and that those were the nights that we were putting in. It was about mm -hmm. two in the morning. We're exhausted. We've been doing this for weeks and we're pulling out stuff. And again, we're keeping in mind our buy costs per unit. So every item you pull out, you're like, that's not worth $10. That's not worth $10. Mm. She pulls out this brown box about this big and shakes it. She opens it up and it's a four pack of these little coat hangers that you put, you know, the white things you put on the wall. They have oh, coat right. Hangers to come up, except for only one of them still had the little hook on it. Oh, the other two were broke. And it, you know, it's a dollar 99 at Walmart. And she picks it up 
and she loses <laughs> her mind. She's like, I paid for this. And she throws it across the whole garage. Uh, we have an we have the like the most epic meltdown we've ever seen yeah. in our in our 14 years being together. Yeah. And we, we still can laugh now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some time of healing has passed. Yeah. 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 So we still to this day kept the item yep. and it's in our in our warehouse, warehouse on a shelf so we never forget. We do not do a load like that again without mm. proper research. Yeah, research. <laughs> and and I am a data hound now after that experience. I I just almost won't buy something if there isn't any data and and that can be a fault but um it depends like antiques collectors yeah. that's a little mm-hmm. bit different but this type of load right it, and that also the last point too was that was all of our money we had no yeah. capital like we couldn't mm-hmm. source after that so that was you know the mistake that being the third one was we put all of our capital into one thing all of our eggs in one basket never do that you the 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 fewer amount of dollars you have, the wider you should be going on product, mm-hmm. right? If you've got a hundred bucks to your name, don't buy one type of item for a hundred bucks. You mm. try to split it across five items. Mm. Um, the more capital you have access to and play around with, sure, you can go a little bit deeper on stuff. But that was the other biggest mistake we made was all of it went towards one thing, uh, which we ended up probably making like a thousand profit at the end of the day, but on six grand buy cost. And it took probably mm. three months to recoup that that was not it was rough <laughs> worth yeah. it at all that was that was the first legit time i'm like screw this yeah. i'm going back to doing massage therapy i'm i'm out <laughs> well, this is what, uh this is tough what's amazing about that story though is you said that was right after uh trista started staying home yep. is that you kept going like like if any time you're gonna you're gonna throw in the towel like that would have been it but the fact that you yeah. kept going I mean, that says something that says that you've got the hustle, you've got what it takes to to stay motivated, to keep at it, which is, I think, ultimately why you've been successful, right? Because everybody's going to have those downtimes, you're going to make those mistakes. And it's going to be the people who are willing to keep going and keep going for it. So my hat's off to you. That's that's amazing. That's encouraging to me. I mean, my wife just started staying home just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, don't, do buy Congratulations. <laughs> don't buy 11 pallets. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we're, we're in that place where you guys were. And so, yeah, even knowing that we're going to have those seasons of downtime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when things aren't great, but if we keep at it, you keep hustling, uh, that, that things come out. And I guess that leads into one of my favorite questions to ask. So, um, I'm a teacher and I feel like I have the, the honor and privilege of, uh, inspiring the youth, right. And like kind of motivating mm-hmm. them with life lessons. So, if you can offer right now a life lesson or something that you think is important, it could be reselling related or it could just be like life. And it doesn't have to be to kids, but just to anybody out there, like what's the thing, the one or two rules that you would say would help somebody in life? Hmm. Deep question always. You got an answer for that one? I, I don't, Mine, I'll give you harder. a minute. Mine is typically always the same answer because I've gotten this question a couple of times. And I've, I, you know, I want to do the typical thing like you got to stay consistent. Mm-hmm. You got to like feel the fear and do it anyways. Like, Really, what it comes down to is just based on my own personal experience. And I, um, this, again, isn't just reselling. Um, it does tie into reselling a lot, and I'll explain that in a minute. This is just life um, based on the times that, because I've been through some extreme roller coasters. Um, and it's always tied down to how I feel. I've been through the waves of gaining and losing 50 pounds at the time. Um, I've been through, I joke about seasonal depression, but it's legit. Mm. Um, I've been through those waves pretty heavily. And the thing that I've noticed is always correlated is when our business is doing worse, 
typically I'm doing worse, mm-hmm. right? So the times that I look at that I was struggling most on a personal, emotional, physical health, um, nutrition level are the times that we were struggling the most in the business. And shockingly, when I got my own stuff together and I feel good, our business does better. Mm. So my, my advice on this is make yourself a priority. Mm. And that's, that's kind of a relative term thrown around because for some people, for me, making myself a priority means, and I'm blessed with an amazing wife who gives me, um, the space to do this, but I have to go to the gym every single morning. I don't like some days if I don't roll out of bed till nine, I don't care if I get to the office at noon, I still need to get that gym time in. Hmm. And then some days I'm up at five and I still get my gym time and I cannot start my day until I get that in. Not because I'm like a heavy weightlifter, like I don't have a six pack and all that junk, but I do it because that's a form of therapy for me, Hmm. for me to release those endorphins and just physically push my body uh, makes me feel amazing. Hmm. And I know that when I feel my best, I give my best. So when I start my day and I love, you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, right. He calls it his anchor. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love when he says that, cause I totally relate to that. That's my anchor for the day that sets my ground strong. So that when I go into the office, when I come home and be with my family, I am the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just gym for me. Um, the nutrition is a huge, huge thing. Again, I've gone through the waves of losing uh, 50 pounds, gaining it back, all that stuff. Um, and it's always when I'm eating garbage, I'm not going to be feeling good. I'm not going to be outsourcing all day. If I feel like crap, I'm not going to be giving my family, my best, my kids, my best, my business, my best, our members, all that stuff. They get the worst version of me if I feel like crap. Mm. So it's my duty to step up to the plate and make myself a priority. So that's my biggest thing. And that can be yoga for some people. If you need to get out once a day and just go to a coffee shop for an hour by yourself, some people just need to go out for a 10 minute walk. Um, personal development reading, I'm huge on just like you guys are going through your books right now. I do the same thing. Um, reading audiobooks, podcasts, like there's so many different ways that can go. That's why I say it's kind of a relative mm. term because for some people it's health and fitness related for other people, it's more of a spiritual thing for some people. It's just getting out of the house for an hour to themselves. But if you take that time for yourself, you're going to have a lot less stress. You're not going to be as overwhelmed and you're going to have a clear head uh, when you go into the next day. Oh, that's good. That's great. Thank you. That was a mouthful, but that's that's my that's my that's my anchor. That's my go-to. I don't I, think I, I can top that. <laughs> no, but it's but it's it's definitely. I mean, it's hard, right? Because some you know mm-hmm. when your business is not doing well, you you know we're all human. We all want to wallow, and and it, we're not. I don't think instinctively drawn to hey, we're gonna go hustle more, right? Yeah. We're gonna mm-hmm. go. You know, you're you you start worrying, and then the fear kicks in, and then. You know, you just, it's a downward spiral. So I appreciate you sharing that, Chaz. Yeah. And I I feel like I connect with that too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm similar in the sense that, and I like that you didn't point it and and connect it with business is bad. Therefore that's your excuse for things going wrong in your life. But you Mm -hmm. kind of did it the opposite way that, that when things aren't going well in your life, business suffers. Right. And, and that having that order, right. Makes a big difference. And I'm, I know I've been the same way I've had, you know, weight issues. I'm up and down too. Uh, if I'm not going to the gym, if I'm not, you know, counting calories, watching my macros, if I'm not doing those things, then other areas of my life, I don't have that discipline, you know? And so just noticing that like, yeah, taking care of yourself in those little things, it does make a huge difference uh, in other aspects of your life. So I think that's amazing advice. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I know real quick too. And then, um, cause I know we're going to wrap up here soon. Um, a lot of people are stuck in that rut, 
right? They're in that low phase. I just recently went through this. I was kind of like off Instagram a lot. I was off of social media because I needed kind of my personal space in my head mm. um, for about six weeks. And I took it, got it. I'm refreshed, recharged, ready to, ready to tackle it hard again. So when you, if you feel like you're in that rut and you're like, yeah, I want to make myself priority, do things for me, make do things that make me happy. Um, I want to do that, but I don't know how. I love the quote, activity fuels more activity. It's all momentum right? Mm. Um, if, if you've got this daunting to-do list every single day, and you're just overwhelmed, just start with one thing. Do something that's just going to be active. Same thing with fitness, right? Every, I, do, I still do some online health and fitness coaching. And I get clients who are like, well, I'm 100 pounds overweight. I don't know where to start. Start with one. Mm. One workout, one healthy meal. It starts with the one thing. Activity fuels more activity. So that's like the biggest action step that anyone can take listening to this is just start with something. Get the ball moving. And I would just add to that also, like, not to swing it the mom way, but definitely I think moms are harder on, on, a, I'm harder on myself. Um, I definitely don't give myself enough time. Um, maybe just because you feel guilty and mm. in that is kind of a natural feeling. I think sometimes maternally, like mm-hmm. that's, you're just kind of here, keeping it all together. Right. But, um, it's so not selfish to take that time. Uh, like Charles said, when you are your best, you give your your best to your kids and your business and everything else, all the aspects of your life. And um, so if you're in that space of like, it's selfish of me to want to do that, you know, when there's all these other things going on, just just free that up out of your mind. Mm-hmm. It's not you're taking care of you, which is in turn trickling down into all of these other spaces in your in your life. That's, no, I, that's I appreciate cold. you sharing that. Yeah. I mean, we, we know, and we have a lot of moms that follow us and listen yeah. to the podcast and they, I'm sure they appreciated that. And because yeah. we always talk about, sometimes you got to just stop and you got to figure out what's going on and then you got to make time for yourself to fix things before you move forward. So it's, it's, I really appreciate you guys. That is some great yeah. advice. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We have one last question. And, uh, so, you know, you guys are content creators. It's kind of weird. We're kind of content creators, but you know, it's you're for sure content. Creators. Yeah, I know, but it's just, it feels weird. I mean, if you asked me four years ago, would we be interviewing you guys? I'd say, what were you talking about? Like, that's just crazy to us. But you know, one of the things we always get, and you guys get this far more because you guys have a lot more subscribers is, you know, reselling is dead. The market's saturated. The Amazon, you're going to lose. It's, you know, we get comments all the time about that. It's, we're trying to sell a dream and da 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 da. So glitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know stuff happens. You know, right? So what what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, what is the state of reselling? Is it is it the same as it was a few years ago? Is it definitely doable? Where do you guys land on all this? I think it's definitely doable. Obviously, there's tons of people out there killing mm. it with all different kinds of things. You can you can work hard selling clothing. You can kill it doing use electronics. You can kill it on Amazon doing private label or wholesale. We know people who do six and seven figures doing RA and OA, which, Hmm. oh gosh, but you know, like it's possible. There's, there's room. Um, more people are buying online than in retail stores every year. It keeps growing and growing. Um, it, it's it kind of cracks me up when people say that it's dying when when online buying is growing so much um but if you walk into this mind if you walk into this lifestyle this way of living it, it really is it becomes your way of life mm-hmm. reselling to a point 
Um, if you walk into that mindset of it's not going to work, you've already created that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And um, it, for us, there was never a plan B. Like, and and that's what you have to get in your head. There isn't a plan B. This is plan A. It has to work. And there's always ways to pivot and make it work. Uh, you have to be willing to work. One hundred percent. I can relate it to my fitness coaching days. I'd get clients that show up and they're like, "Oh, my legs are so sore." I'm like, "How are your arms feeling?" Good. Okay. Cool. Let's hit some arms. Then. <laughs> oh, my shoulders are so sore. How are your legs today? They're good. Okay. We're doing legs. Mm. I say that because you know I I do it too. I've been complaining about eBay's glitching and you see an error on every page and oh yeah, this morning stuff. I had that too. Yeah, and it's like you know, there's always going to be something going on, whether it's policy updates, whether it's restricted items on Amazon. Oh my gosh, you got an IP claim. I'm scared to do anything on Amazon. Like we hear this stuff all the time. eBay is glitching. I can't sell on eBay. This is why we preach and promote multiple platforms, multiple Mm. categories, multiple types of items. So what if your sales are down on eBay? Focus on something else. Local sales, Poshmark, Mercari. You've got so many opportunities that I feel like I feel like the online selling hasn't even begun to hit that full stride yet. Right. A lot of people are doing that. Retail arbitrage is dead. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's not (laughs) (laughs) made a lot of money doing it. Still do. Uh, It's the same thing you guys hear too. All right. It's all over Instagram. People complaining about everything. And I complain about stuff too. It's fine. (laughs) After I complain, I get my butt up and I get back to work. Mm -hmm. Whether it's on something else, if eBay, like eBay the other day, wouldn't let me do bulk shipping. So I said, okay, I'll let eBay figure its stuff out for a little bit and I'm going to go focus on some Amazon work. So as long as you're willing to pivot and just adjust with it, then you're going to do fine. But for the people that come in and they're like, oh yeah, you can't sell on Amazon anymore. It's just so hard. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's going to keep getting harder. So you've got to start now and learn to pivot with it. Mm -hmm. That's good. Wow. So much knowledge. I feel like we could have made this like a three, four hour episode, but we're not, we're not at Joe Rogan (laughs) status. So we're not going to do that yet, but (laughs) one day, but we definitely want to have you guys back on. Uh, Absolutely. You guys are an incredible couple. Uh, Really enjoyed watching your journey and it's been a privilege to interview you guys, Uh, you know, just uh, so much stuff that we learned. So, so make sure to follow side hustle, the side hustle network, correct on YouTube. (laughs) Got to throw that. Yeah. 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 Either way it will pop up. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. And then on Instagram and, and uh, yeah, follow their journey. I'm excited about this new thing that you're going to share. So stay tuned for that. So yeah. that's like, that's like a little cliffhanger. Like stay tuned. <laughs> if you're not following them, you better. Yeah. These, these two don't even know about it yet. <laughs> no, we have no idea. We didn't talk about it off air. So it's all good. Anyways, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Trista. Thank you so much, Chaz. Really appreciate you guys. And uh, thanks to all the listeners. And yeah. with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace.